Greetings, undercover agent. You are receiving this message because you have shown curiosity in the face of mystery, courage in times of challenge, and fortitude in the mirrors of ridicule. Okay, that's probably a bit much. <laughs> I bet you're here for the same reasons I'm here. We both love stories of the strange, the unexplained, and the paranormal. And of course we show fortitude in the mirrors of ridicule. The thirst for all things weird has brought us together here on Renegade Files. I'm your host, Lex Gordon, broadcasting from the Jungle Villa Outpost, deep in the uncharted tropics. This is Renegade Files, episode 43, Area 51, History, Conspiracy, and Mystery. Welcome to the enigmatic world of Area 51, the secretive and controversial military installation nestled in the barren Nevada desert. Though you can see Area 51 and its complex of buildings and runways and satellite images, it does not appear on any public U.S. government map. Just the mention of the name conjures images of UFOs, humorless government agents, and a labyrinth of mysteries begging to be unraveled. In this report, we will embark on an enthralling journey to explore the fascinating history of Area 51. We'll delve into the realms of conspiracy theory that have stalked its existence, and we'll even take a closer look at a whimsical social event that sought to unveil its secrets once and for all. Prepare to dive deep as we peel back the layers of secrecy and intrigue surrounding one of the world's most iconic military installations, Area 51. Area 51. Area 51. Area 51. Part 1. The History of Groom Lake In the vast expanse of the Nevada desert, 85 miles north of the glitz of Las Vegas, lies a place that has been the subject of fascination for decades. Officially known as Groom Lake, this top-secret military base has a long and mysterious history. Established in the early 1950s, it served as a testing ground for cutting-edge aircraft technology during the Cold War. From the revolutionary U-2 spy plane to enigmatic stealth aircraft like the F-117 Nighthawk, Area 51 became a hotbed for technological innovation. One of the main strengths of this secret testing base is hinted at in the name itself, Area. It is the actual area where the base is located which provides so much of its strategic effectiveness. The geographic location of Area 51 is remote and, in more ways than one, inaccessible. The 38,000-acre property is surrounded by barren mountains, inhospitable desert, and restricted airspace. The facility is adjacent to two other restricted military areas 
the Nevada test site or Trinity, where U.S. nuclear weapons were tested from the 1950s until the 1990s, and the Nevada Desert and Training Range. The combined landmass of these installations with Area 51 covers almost 3 million acres. The official mission of Area 51 is, quote, a flexible, realistic, and multi-dimensional battle space to conduct testing tactics development and advanced training. Within this advanced development and training area is a salt flat lake, Groom Lake, which is a natural, perfectly flat, but also highly durable surface. The Salt Groom Lake sits at an elevation of 4,409 feet above sea level and is shaped like a roughly squared oval that's three and three quarters mile long, that's north to south, and about three miles wide east to west. This natural arena makes an excellent runway for the taking off and landing of aircraft. The large flat plain of the Groom Lake Salt Flat is also conducive to testing high-speed crafts because of the forgiving nature of such an unobstructed and level expanse. And since this salt flat is surrounded by mountains, it's hidden from ground-level view in all directions. At the same time, these aren't lush, forest-covered mountains, but barren, rocky, dry mountains, so the very terrain makes it difficult for anyone attempting surveillance to go unseen. The accompanying Trinity weapons test site was naturally kept under strict secrecy for decades, and the Nevada test and training range equally so. Combine these with the tight-lipped and heavily guarded Area 51 site, then deny that site's existence for 40 or more years, and you spread enough speculation and curiosity to keep those of us with an investigative reflex busy for years. And anyone's first glance across the surface of Area 51 reveals scarce information. The casual seeker quickly finds nothing more than hundreds of what are essentially the same three or four photos. An image search reveals pictures of the heavily guarded perimeter gates and fences with their dire warning signs that tell of no trespassing, authorized lethal force, penalty for entering is one year imprisonment and a $5,000 fine, no photography, no drones. This is almost as scary as the rules at a public beach park. This super-secret, heavily guarded nature has led to countless speculations and conspiracy theories that still persist today. We'll get to those, but first, how did all of this come about in the first place? The story of Area 51 begins in the early 1950s, during the height of the Cold War. As tensions escalated between the United States and the Soviet Union, the U.S. government sought a secluded location for the development and testing of advanced aircraft technology. 
the barren landscape surrounding Groom Lake provided the ideal backdrop for this clandestine operation. Officially established as a remote detachment of Edwards Air Force Base, Area 51 became a hub of innovation and secrecy. Its primary mission was to test and refine cutting-edge aircraft, pushing the boundaries of aviation technology. Hidden by mountains, which themselves had no hiding places, the secluded haven allowed engineers, scientists, and military personnel to work without prying eyes, shielding their creations from both foreign spies and public scrutiny. One of Area 51's contributions to aviation history was the development of the U-2 spy plane. Designed for high-altitude reconnaissance, the U-2 spy plane played a crucial role in gathering intelligence during the Cold War. Its ability to fly at altitudes of up to 70,000 feet made it virtually untouchable by enemy aircraft or surface-to-air missiles. In 1957, the Groom Lake base launched Project Oxcart, which produced two of the fastest, highest-flying aircraft in U.S. history, the one-seat Archangel 12 and the two-seat SR-71 Blackbird. And real quick, here's a side note on the U-2 spy plane built at Area 51. It was considered impossible to detect or shoot down with the technologies of the day. However, after many untouched and as far as we know undetected missions of U-2 spy planes over the Soviet Union during the Cold War, Francis Gary Powers was shot down by the Soviets while flying a U-2 spy mission. He was captured, tried, and convicted for espionage and for violating Soviet airspace. This miraculous shot, which hit the U-2 at 70,000 feet and blew off the tail and at least one and maybe both wings, only came after Lee Harvey Oswald defected to the Soviet Union and after his having been stationed as a radar operator at the U.S.-operated Ostugi Air Base in Tokyo, from which many U-2 spy flights departed. Francis Gary Powers indicated that Oswald could have provided the Soviets with enough intelligence to hit the plane, and this was in 1960, three years before the JFK assassination and three years before anyone in the American public had even heard Oswald's name. We will get into JFK sometime in the future here on Renegade Files, so stay tuned. For now, Back to Area 51. Area 51's vast runways and remote location provided the perfect testing ground for the U-2. The first test flight took place in August 1955, and the aircraft quickly proved its worth. U-2 missions, Francis Gary Powers notwithstanding, were conducted with the utmost of secrecy, and they gathered invaluable intelligence providing critical insights into Soviet military capabilities and intentions. As the Cold War progressed, the demand for more advanced stealth technology grew. Area 51 once again stepped up to the challenge and became the birthplace of the F-117 Nighthawk, 
the world's first operational stealth fighter jet. The F-117's angular design, coated in radar-absorbent material, allowed it to evade detection by enemy radar systems. It was initially thought that a more rounded-off, smooth craft would be more resistant to radar, but the studies proved that these opposing angles and various shapes did something on a certain level to confuse the radar. I certainly don't understand. I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to learn about it, uh, at least not right now. But suffice it to say, the F-117 Nighthawk is a very unusual looking craft. It really doesn't even look like it would fly, but it absolutely does. It's incredibly fast, super high altitude. Radar can't see it for the most part. It's a phenomenon. Developing the F-117 was no small feat. Engineers at Area 51 faced numerous technical challenges, from aerodynamics to radar cross-section reduction, but their tireless efforts paid off and the F-117 Nighthawk made its public debut in 1988, stunning the world with its revolutionary capabilities. While the F-117 Nighthawk has since been officially retired, its legacy lives on. Area 51's contributions to stealth technology transformed aerial surveillance and inspired a new generation of aircraft designed to operate undetected these are just some of the things we now know about Area 51 and its role in developing secret aircraft for U.S. military use. But for decades, Area 51 remained a closely guarded secret and its very existence was denied by the U.S. government. Anyone who professed a belief that the U.S. military had a secret base in the Nevada desert was labeled as a whack job and marginalized by the mainstream media. But then something amazing and unexpected happened. The National Security Archive, a non-governmental research institution, filed a Freedom of Information Act or FOIA request seeking information about the U-2 spy plane program. In response, the CIA released a heavily redacted report, as they do, that explicitly referenced Area 51. I guess they missed blacking out that one line this document is entitled Central Intelligence Agency and Overhead Reconnaissance, the U-2 and Oxcart Programs, 1954-1974. It finally provided an official acknowledgement of Area 51's existence and its role in the development and testing of classified reconnaissance aircraft. The release of these declassified documents, redacted as they are, marked a significant step towards transparency and public knowledge regarding Area 51. While many aspects of the base's activities are still a mystery, this acknowledgement by the CIA vindicated the conspiracy theorists who had for so long insisted that there was evidence for a secret military base in Nevada. The CIA overhead ox cart document is considered one of the most clear-cut victories in history within the conspiracy theory community. Before we dive into the persisting Area 51 theories, I want to say a huge thank you to you if you are an RFA agent on Patreon. 
I am so grateful for your support and everyone who listens owes you a high five because you not only directly help me afford to make the episodes, but your support also keeps the show free of corporate ads, so thank you. If you are not a Renegade Files agent on Patreon yet, just tap the link in the show notes or visit patreon.com slash renegadefiles and check it out for free. 10-4. Part 2. The Area 51 Conspiracy Theories One of the most enduring theories claims that Area 51 is a repository of extraterrestrial technology and that the U.S. military is studying or even reverse engineering recovered alien spacecrafts. This theory gained traction in the late 1980s when a man named Bob Lazar came forward to say he had worked within Area 51 at an even more secret lair called S-4, where he reportedly examined off-world alien crafts. According to Lazar, the U.S. government is in possession of nine flying saucers, and his job was to reverse-engineer the propulsion system of one of these crafts. You probably recall we did an extensive analysis of Bob Lazar's background and claims on Renegade Files episode 26, Bob Lazar, UFO Mechanic or Disinformation Agent. That episode is one of our top five most downloaded episodes ever. I don't have a quick soundbite to sum up my opinion on Lazar, so I won't even get into him here, but I do feel like I gave it a solid effort within the research and production of that very deep episode, so check it out. I will put a link to the Bob Lazar episode in the show notes and you can share that with your crew. I appreciate it when you do things like that because it really helps the show grow. Another popular conspiracy theory suggests that the moon landing was staged partly at Area 51. Believers argue that the government orchestrated an elaborate hoax filming the moon landing on a soundstage within the base's secure confines in order to win the space race public relations war against the Soviet Union. The moon landings are a whole other subject, deep and twisted, and we'll get into it someday. I promise. Let's dive deeper into some of the other mysteries and claims surrounding Area 51. One source of intrigue is the subject of advanced technological marvels. Area 51's association with cutting-edge military technology has given rise to a range of conspiracy theories regarding secret experiments and advanced weaponry. Now, when we get to this level, the term advanced weaponry doesn't necessarily refer to faster rockets or stealthier planes. Some theorists suggest that Area 51 is involved in the development of mind control techniques using electromagnetic radiation or other classified methods to manipulate human cognition, opinion, and behavior. As sci-fi as that may sound, it is far from pure fiction. DARPA or the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, and this is the Department of Defense's research arm, is paying scientists to invent ways to instantly read soldiers' minds 
using tools like genetic engineering of the human brain, nanotechnology, and infrared beams, and this is not speculation. The end goal could absolutely be thought control weapons, like swarms of drones that someone sends to the skies to deploy a single thought into a community. What could be done with that? You could control every election. You could instigate a revolution. You could cause a football team to lose the Super Bowl and make a fortune on the bets. We do know that DARPA announced that six teams will receive funding or are receiving funding under the Next Generation Non-Surgical Neurotechnology Program, also known as N3. These teams are tasked with developing technology that will provide a two-way channel for rapid and seamless communication between the human brain and machines without requiring surgery. Here is a quote from Jacob Robinson, an assistant professor of bioengineering at Rice University who's leading one of these teams, and he is speaking about the application of this type of project. He says, quote, imagine someone who's operating a drone or someone who might be analyzing a lot of data, end quote. And what he's referring to is the ability to access and manipulate these machines or computers with your mind, without wires, without surgery, who the heck knows how. So we know the military's history of developing technology and weaponizing it. If they can make a computer radio frequency system that can be controlled by the human mind, does anyone think they would not also try to do the opposite? Others claim that Area 51 is a hotbed for the creation of biological weapons, genetically engineered viruses, and other sinister forms of warfare. Such theories often draw inspiration from science fiction, but also from government experiments conducted in the past, like the notorious Tuskegee syphilis study, which involved unethical human experimentation. We also know now that MKUltra was a real program. During the Cold War, the CIA initiated Project MKUltra. That's a whole nother episode too. It was a secret and illegal human research program to investigate potential mind control systems. The program's operators examined the effects of hypnosis, biological agents, and drugs such as LSD and barbiturates on human subjects, often on unknowing human subjects. Some historians suggest the program was designed to develop a mind control system that could be used to program the brains of potential assassins. We have also seen deep evidence that these same tactics have been used to control popular cultural figures in the process of using them to disseminate propaganda. In 1973, then-CIA Director Richard Helms ordered that all the documents from Project MKUltra be destroyed. However, a formal investigation into the program was still launched several years later. 
here again, we have a situation where a conspiracy theory absolutely came true. However, Area 51 is not a major player in the MK Ultra scene, or at least within the data, so here we have one of those situations that tends to crop up anytime you have a single location with a long history of secrecy. Antarctica might be another such place. These spots tend to get lumped in with a myriad of other mysteries and conspiracy theories, and they become catch-alls for the unknown. If any place is that, Area 51 is. We've also heard stories of alleged time travel at Area 51. Now, this gets a bit convoluted. One former airman who claims to have been a test pilot who flew one of the Lazar crafts, maybe the sport model as Lazar called it, says that after one flight, he crashed, he awoke in the hospital, but that it was a few days before the flight he had just taken. So he went back in time. Right away, we wonder if a few days later, did he fly it again? Because he went back in time before the crash. So did he fly again, crash, and go back in time a few days once more into the hospital? Get better? Fly again? And is he stuck in this time travel loop? Groundhog Day style, doomed to fly and crash and fly again for eternity? These are the kind of weirdo things that we always end up landing on when we begin to talk about time travel. Then we come to the Men in Black. Remember that we covered Men in Black on episode 23. These mysterious figures, often depicted as enigmatic government agents in black suits and sunglasses, have become an integral part of the lore surrounding UFO sightings and alien encounters. One idea is that men in black are dispatched by the government to suppress witnesses and cover up evidence of extraterrestrial activity. Another theory is that men in black are aliens themselves doing similar cleanup after sightings or contact. Stories of intimidating encounters erased memories, and silenced witnesses have cemented the Men in Black's place in popular culture. We have countless movies and books depicting their shadowy presence. So whether MIBs are damage control agents who are government spooks or disguised aliens cooperating with the Air Force, what better home base for them than Area 51? Another integrated theory is this idea that the recovered Roswell aliens were taken to Kirtland Air Force Base, and some say they ended up at Area 51. Kirtland Air Force Base is 700 miles east of Area 51, so a long drive, but a short flight. Kirtland Air Force Base shares a runway with the civilian airport there, and this theory suggests that it wasn't secure or remote enough to house aliens, living or dead. So these aliens or their bodies or maybe even the living alien pilots were transferred to Area 51. Obviously. Part 3. Storming Area 51. Let's see them aliens. In the annals of internet lore, which you know I just love, 
There stands a legendary time, the summer of 2019. Before tyranny, before COVID, before the Pentagon UFO report, all one page of it. This is the unforgettable saga of alien enthusiasts and internet hilarity when a whimsical idea captured the attention of millions around the world and sparked an unprecedented social media phenomenon. Storm Area 51 was a tongue-in-cheek call to raid the secretive compound and it ignited the imaginations of alien enthusiasts, conspiracy theories, and van life nomads alike. It was a glorious moment when absurdity, curiosity, and internet culture collided. It all began with a simple Facebook post. Maddie Roberts, a college student, created a Facebook event page with the title, Storm Area 51, They Can't Stop All of Us. He saw it as a humorous attempt to rally like-minded individuals under the fictional pretense of a strength-in-numbers flooding of the legendary military base on September 20th, 2019. The description written by Roberts read, quote, We will all meet up at the Area 51 Alien Center tourist attraction and coordinate our entry. If we Naruto run, we can move faster than their bullet. Let's see them aliens. What started as a joke quickly gained momentum and the event page garnered immense attention with millions of people clicking the attending button and sending in their virtual RSVPs. Memes flooded social media platforms showcasing imaginative scenarios of alien encounters and humorous strategies for breaching the highly classified facility of Area 51. As the event gained traction, it became clear that a significant number of people intended to make the pilgrimage to the tiny town of Rachel, Nevada, which has a population of under 100 people. I think like it has a population of 40-something people even now. This town's sole business, the Little Ale Inn, that's A-L-E-E-I-N-N, was helping things come shakily together. Concerned about the potential repercussions, local authorities and the U.S. Air Force began to express their apprehension. The Air Force emphasized the illegality and danger of attempting to actually breach that military facility. They put out press releases. A concert promoter realized the potential to capitalize on an already well-promoted, if wholly disorganized event, and he piggybacked on the hype to promote what he started calling alien stock. That event aimed to provide a platform for attendees to gather, share their extraterrestrial beliefs, and celebrate their shared curiosity. This promoter booked a few essentially unknown Nevada bands, started rounding up artists to set up booths, merchandise, food, and it looked like they were on their way to transform the small desert town into a festival of UFO excitement and speculation with a heavy dose of partying. As the September 20th date approached, 
the Storm Area 51 event attracted widespread media attention, and long before any attendees started to arrive, multiple television crew vans started rolling down the dusty desert roads and posting up to cover the upcoming spectacle. Other journalists, influencers, and filmmakers flocked to the Nevada desert, all eager to witness the unfolding fiasco of millions of millennials trying to either break into Area 51 or at least stand around talking about it. One newscaster was photobombed in his live report when an early festival goer zipped across the desert ground behind him doing a perfect Naruto run as referenced in the original Facebook event page as a way to dodge the military police bullets. Naruto was a Japanese anime character who ran with his head down and his arms behind him like wings. When 13 News action reporter Joe Bartels was reporting from Rachel, Nevada, at the start of what was supposedly a three-day event, festival-goer Elia Elixir executed a perfectly timed, flawlessly executed, and divinely preposterous Naruto run complete with dust flying from his heels across the screen behind the reporter and within minutes that video was reduced to a gif was on the front page of reddit and had been viewed several million times the world could not get enough of the storm area 51 event and every minute more trucks more campers and more news crews rolled into little rachel nevada but the 50 or so people who actually lived there were none too excited about a million or even 10,000 partying alien believers taking their town over, and they started to pose some real questions. Where would tens or hundreds of thousands of people stay? Where would they sleep? Where would they go to the bathroom? Where would they put their garbage? Rachel has no gas station. How would they refuel and leave? What about the health and safety of hundreds of thousands of kids in the desert heat? Paramedics? Water? I don't know, sunscreen? However, as the first day arrived, reality set in. The vast majority of those who had expressed interest in attending did not actually arrive. The mismanaged alien stock morphed into some other event as the original alien stock promoter ditched the desert idea, left all those vendors and bands high and dry, so to speak, and moved his alien stock festival to Las Vegas. Probably a good idea. By the time people actually started pulling into Rachel, Nevada, it was becoming clear that the whole thing was falling somewhere between a clunky bust and a full tilt scam. The owner of the tiny restaurant slash bar slash souvenir shop slash one or two room hotel called the Little A-L-E-N was charging something like $140 for regular parking and $1,000 for media crew parking. And by her own account, she sold 700 parking places. Other news agencies said that she sold 1,000 or more parking places. The jilted bands who had been left to twist by the alien stock promoter scrounged up some 2x4s and a flatbed trailer and 
started hammering to make some sort of a stage, while guys on four-wheelers sold firewood they had collected in the surrounding desert, and the local government installed hundreds of portalettes to serve the throngs who swore online they were coming to storm the gates of Area 51, but most of them never found a ride. Instead, the event turned into a surreal gathering of maybe a thousand curious onlookers, alien enthusiasts, campers, and partygoers, all drawn by the allure of the unknown. The Storm Area 51 event highlighted the remarkable power of internet culture and its ability to generate worldwide attention and at least half-hearted participation. What started as a humorous meme spread like wildfire. It transcended borders and united people with a shared fascination of the extraterrestrial. The event showcased the collective power of online communities where ideas can quickly gain traction and capture the public's imagination, but it also demonstrated what can happen when the promotion function vastly outperforms the organization and management functions. While the Storm Area 51 event was undoubtedly an entertaining spectacle, it also reflected the public's fascination with the unknown and the enduring allure of conspiracy theories. Area 51 has long been associated with stories of extraterrestrial encounters and government cover-ups, and it made it the perfect target for this kind of humorous speculation and exploration. In a world often filled with cynicism and skepticism, the Storm Area 51 event provided a momentary escape, inviting people to embrace their inner childlike wonder and indulge in the possibility of the extraordinary. It became a reminder that curiosity, even in its most absurd forms, can unite people and ignite a shared sense of joy and camaraderie, even if none of it really goes according to plan. In the end, the Storm Area 51 event did not result in a raid on the secretive military base. I think one girl was arrested for crawling under a barbed wire fence, but within an hour they let her go. No extraterrestrial secrets were found, and no one saw them aliens. But it will forever be remembered as a moment when the internet came alive with humor, absurdity, and a shared sense of wonder and adventure. We could spend hours on any one of these conspiracies. We could go way deep into the history of Area 51, and we could speculate until the cows come home. But we did go pretty deep into Area 51 in the Bob Lazar episode. Area 51, the enigmatic military installation in the Nevada desert, continues to captivate our collective imagination. From its clandestine origins as a testing ground for groundbreaking aircraft technology to the litany of conspiracy theories that have flourished around it for years, Area 51 remains a cultural icon. Its remote location, serious security, and air of secrecy have contributed to the enduring fascination that continue to surround it. We know the human imagination can conjure captivating narratives, and the absence of verifiable evidence and discovery of logical explanations often cast doubt on many extraordinary claims. But the allure of the unknown, 
the desire for adventure and discovery, and the compulsion to know the truth when presented with official stories that, quite frankly, don't add up, continues to fuel our fascination with Area 51's conspiratorial reputation. The mysteries surrounding this remote military base serve as a reminder of our innate curiosity and our persistent need to question the narratives that are presented to us. So even if we can never prove the existence of extraterrestrial visitors, expose the deepest government cover-ups, or reveal top-secret technologies, Area 51's conspiracy theories will continue to captivate The truth may remain elusive, but the journey of exploration and wonder that it inspires is one that keeps the fires of curiosity burning. Area 51 was once a fully veiled sanctuary of innovation and secrecy. It has now been brought into the light, albeit partially. Its history is a tapestry of technological breakthroughs from the U-2 spy plane to the F-117 Nighthawk, and the base has forever changed the course of aviation and spycraft. Who knows what they're building out there right now? Area 51's classified operations began as a response to the geopolitical climate of the Cold War era. It demanded innovation, commitments to national security, and as a result, secrecy. Though many questions remain unanswered, the legacy of Area 51 will forever be etched into the annals of technological progress, reminding us of humanity's unwavering pursuit of innovation, even within the depths of black ops. While the Storm Area 51 event brought the base into the spotlight in a lighthearted and entertaining way, It also shed real light on the public's curiosity and desire for transparency. Despite the event's humorous origins, it sparked discussions about government accountability and the boundaries of classified military activity. Area 51 has become more than just a military base. It has transcended into a symbol for mystery, secrecy, cover-up, and conspiracy. Whether the subject is extraterrestrial technology, government shell games, or the endless appeal of the unknown, Area 51 has a place in the conversation. As the mysteries surrounding this enigmatic place persist, we can only wonder what secrets lie hidden within its secretive confines. Beyond its black mailbox, and behind its barbed wire fences. What's there waiting to be discovered or destined to remain created forever? Thank you sincerely for coming with me to investigate Area 51. Subscribe or follow the show now so together we can meet here every 10 days and explore the deepest covert stories where logic clashes with the official narrative. I am glad to have you in the Renegade Files crew. Now, I say every 10 days, and you may have noticed that I'm doing better at getting that many shows out for us. I am doing 
and will keep doing my best. Making these episodes is really fun, but each one takes a lot of time and work. I've set Renegade Files up so that you can always listen to the shows for free, and I hate jumpy corporate ads and podcasts that I listen to. That's why I make the show without them. If you ever hear an ad in a Renegade Files episode, those are put in there by the free versions of some podcast apps, and we have no control over them. And I make no money from them ever. In fact, that's the reason we aren't on iHeartRadio, because the podcasts there are forced to allow ads, they can't opt out of them, and they get no compensation for their trouble. We could get a few thousand more listeners by putting the show there, but I'd rather make sure the shows don't have ads, at least in the ways that I can control. I refuse to sell out just to get the numbers up. If you respect that, then help me stick it to the man and keep making Renegade Files by kicking in a tiny amount of cash at patreon.com slash renegadefiles. It's a great deal for both of us. If it was a ripoff, I wouldn't be a part of it and I'd never ask you to do it. The Renegade Files agency on Patreon is cool. Here's how it works. For less than you'd tip a restaurant server at dinner, you can help me make and broadcast these shows. And for being that cool, you also get bonus episodes that are only available there. You get dark intel files, which are the deep research posts for each episode. They include free MP3s of background music that I use in the episodes, which is great ambient music for studying or reading or just relaxing. You also get the PDF transcripts for every episode. You can use those as a resource for your own writing or reports or a UFO blog or whatever you're into, or you can just add them to your paranormal library. I also like to post there my periodic weird internet finds lists lists of links and if you like that old internet energy of super creative bananas level things online you'll love those posts our patreon community is called the renegade files agency or the rfa and those of us there are known as rfa agents the rfa has four levels of agents occult detectives covert agents recon operatives and alien ambassadors. Every agent, no matter what level, gets access to the bonus episodes and the dark intel files. Occult detectives also get behind the scenes content. Recon operatives get that, plus a free Renegade Files t-shirt. Alien ambassadors get all of those rewards, plus shout outs on the show. The Alien Ambassador RFA Agent tier is also limited to a maximum of 31 spots ever. The Renegade Files Agency on Patreon is really fun and it's cool to be a part of it. You get more Renegade Files content, awesome rewards, and you literally make the show possible. You become a valuable part of the Renegade Files crew, so tap the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash renegadefiles, become an RFA agent right now, and I'll see you in there. There's no commitment, and you can go back undercover and dip out whenever you want.
already working on the next episode, and I'm looking forward to doing this with you again soon. So until then, I'm your host, Lex Gordon. Stay wild, Venusian child.